Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, built. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> So there's only one place to start in our club roundup, lads, and that's up in Antrim. Uh, three in a row for Dunloy. They've won four of the last five titles. Um, big celebrations. I thought this was a, there was a real county final sense of occasion around this one, Niall, because, like, I mean, the camera go to the crowd. There's a whole lot of children in the Dunloy colours, and it seemed to be more Dunloy than Donovan Rossett. It seemed to put a lot of effort into getting the community out here into a county final to support them. And then they invaded the field at the fi- final whistle. That's probably the, the nicest thing about the game, because there was not, not an awful lot to say about the match. Yeah, there was a huge crowd of youngsters behind the goals um, yesterday in Corrigan Park, and it just kind of, it told you, I, I call them the Dunloy Ultras there on the GA Joe page, but it just told you it was county final, county final day straight away. Um, I suppose that, as you said, it was probably the best thing about the match. It was slightly disappointing, like... I suppose having watched the Antrim final last year, you were and it was very exciting that day don't, between Dunloy and Lochiel. You were kind of looking forward to something similar here today, but um, Dunloy they kind of got their goal early on, and any time there was a lot of wides early on, but any time Donovan Rossa came close, Dunloy seemed to get a goal and stretch away, and and that was it really. Like yeah, whenever they get a goal, they followed up with a point as well. So like got one one, then didn't do much, then got another one one, didn't do much, got another one one, and kind of was over over kind of at that stage. I like the way Dunloy they 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 won the county final last year, um, Lee, and they did a open. Uh, went on the back of a lorry or something through the town. They seemed to put a lot of effort in and there was wild celebrations. Usually, you know, I suppose three in a row is a, is a big thing. I tried to get them on the show today and I was told very politely, you won't get any of us on the show today. <laughs> the show tomorrow will be in the pub. I said, I'll do the interview early. We go to the pub very early. Very early. So like, I mean, they put it, obviously it's a county final, but like, I mean, there seemed to be a bit of a sense of occasion around it for Dunloy. Yeah, um, they really live and breathe it up there. <clears throat> uh, up in Dunloy, North Antrim in particular, like Lockheel, Glenarf, Ballycastle, Hurling is everything. Uh, it's not really in Ulster as it, as 
in general. Football is obviously the main sport, but in North Antrim, it is everything. Um, you go to Dunloy and you can't, you know, you look out your window and it's just kids and they're carrying their hurls absolutely everywhere. It's just an extension of their arm at this stage. Um, you know, so three in a row, six in a row, ten in a row, they'll, they'll go mad for all of them because it, it just means so much to them. Yeah, Connell Conning was a uh, man of the match. He looked like he was on another level, uh, to be fair, really has a bit about him. Keelan Malloy, I was keeping my eye out for Keelan Malloy because he's a player that I like and he never really got on the ball at all. He was marking a fella called Declan Murphy and who caught my eye before the ball was even thrown in because he... Donovan Rossa have blue socks with a yellow stripe, but uh, Declan decided he was going with the yellow sock pulled up with a blue stripe. They must have, could have been Sweden soccer socks or something like that. He had his two wrists taped with messages on them and he had white boots. What kind of a hurling person is this, Niall? Yeah, he caught my eye straight away. Well, he kind of went the whole hog shape in there yesterday, like between the socks, the wristbands, everything. But um, he, he was on the freeze then too. And as well as that, he had the, the biceps were bulging. He was a bit of a walking <laughs> bench press of a man as well. Um, but you know, he he really stood out. And I, I like it's not too often you'd sort of you'd see that on a hurling field, a lad. Well, I suppose in, in football either. People don't wear the socks up anymore. Like it used to be kind of a thing. I remember Lark Corbett used to do it. Um, a good few players used to do it, but um, the socks are a lot smaller now. It seems to be the fashion. But uh, Declan was he was doing it for the the boys that used to do it, and he kept it going. No, he he definitely was there. So they obviously lost to Slough Nail in the 2019 Ulster Club Final. Um, one fifteen to ten points. So they're back into the mix now again. Uh, it'll probably be Slough Nail that they're playing. You were watching Cole Island. Break Eden Dork hearts. I'm an Eden Dork fan this year after doing a live show up there and getting the tour of the village and the whole lot. And there was commented that Cull Island are only out the road there. Like there's only five kilometres out the road. And, you know, they're the more successful club. And Eden Dork were blowing them away, Lee. And Cull Island broke their hearts with two late goals to beat them. Yeah, I mean, what a game. Um, Eden Dork, they definitely, they really suffered throughout the league without like Niall Morgan, um, Darren McCurry and Con Kilpatrick. Uh, I think they were in a relegation battle and everything. But this time around, uh, they've got all the players and they were flying for him, especially in the first quarter. Niall Morgan, it's the first time I'd actually watched him for a full game outfield. He is such a good footballer. Like he was excellent. He was up against Michael McKernan uh, in Kalilin in midfield. And, you know, he really took it to him early. McCurry got a goal early on as well. Con Kilpatrick uh, just fetching everything. They built such a high lead early on and the pace that they set. It, it really looked like a huge upset was on the cards. Then, <laughs> late in the game, I mean, you're talking, we're in the injury time at this stage. Uh, two late Kalilin goals and then a point from a free kick just to seal the deal. And they ended up winning by two points. And I was telling you before the show, uh, Niall Morgan, like, standing midfield and the camera was sort of just behind him. And he was watching the Kalilin forward, like, break through on goal. And he just had his hands on his head. He knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen. And he just had on footage his heart actually breaking. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I mean, I, I don't, so they're five points up in injury time and then they lose, they lose by two. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Whatever, whatever team I support, if I row in behind a team, just forget about it. You're not winning anything um, that year. The Canavans were flying at for Ergil Kieran, another team of mine. Whatever I do a live show, that I kind of adopt that team. Um, Ergil Kieran, Dara scored 1-4 and Rory scored uh, five points. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think every Tyrone fan is really excited about watching, or if we're watching Eric Lecairn, it's purely to see Derek Dar- Canavan because we didn't actually get seen too much of him um, for Tyrone this year. And there's been so much hype and so much build up. And it's all, to be fair, fairly justified because any moments that he has got onto the field, you know, he's been absolutely excellent. Um, he's played some key parts in, in this season, despite actually not. Uh, being involved that much so in club football seeing him fully fit and watching him work his magic like it is something else to be fair um, you know he's playing because Joe Brawley always tweets that he's playing he's obsessed with him keeps calling him <laughs> the son of God he thinks he's the the, the, the um, next big thing in football like if not already and now there's another one so <laughs> Rory uh, was excellent I mean five points and everyone says oh you know, it's it's that old cliche in football. Like he's good, but you should see the brother. And it's an it's another situation here. Is Rory supposed to be better? Uh, I I don't even. People are just. <laughs> I think it's it's just the go to thing to say. You have to say that the younger one's better. But apparently, yeah, is his pace is meant to be frightening. Um, people talk about that a lot and how exciting it is when you know he'll start to break through for sure. Um, but like you know, like is Dara even really broke through yet? Like we're we're still on no. that journey, you know, with him and and looking forward to to seeing him really become a more seasoned player and, and getting the best out of him. Yeah, exactly. Well, we get on to All-Stars. He was nominated for Young Player of the Year and I might have a few issues with, with uh, that decision. Um, one other Tyrone bit of news is Carrick Moore beat Oma um, and Conor Gormley and Martin Penrose, fellas of my generation, came on. They're both, I think they're both must be 40, 40 41. Um, Conor Gormley obviously won an All-Ireland in t- 2003. They both came on in the full forward line. And I, I'm a completely against this. I've told you this uh, before for Niall, you you think all down through the years, older players were put out to pasture in the full forward line, but you're being marked by a young lad. It sounds good. Oh, you don't have to run. You don't have to follow someone, but you're being marked by a young fella. And how do you meant to get out in front of him? Now, maybe Conor Gormley would have the strength to win win some ball. It just seems to me that when the, when there's an out lad, put him in the full forward line mm-hmm. instead of going. How can we get this out lad free around the midfield to get him get him on a ball or two? And maybe calm the whole game down. I suppose it's the old cliche, like the most of the run will take place the further out the field you are, whether you're midfield or the half forward. And I suppose a lot of these lads, maybe they're just like the likes of Conor Gormley, maybe they're just clever enough that they don't have to do all this movement. They let the young lads kind of do the running or whatever and run up the field. But the our lads, they're clever, they're able to read the game and they're able to kind of get on the breaks and maybe take their take their scores. The boys certainly seem to be doing the jobs a bit inside there anyway. Yeah, because in fairness, Penrose would have been a similar enough player to me in that he would a lot of his game would have been based around pace and getting out in front. When you lose that, you're a bit like me. You're just shite. <laughs> you're left with nothing. Gormley maybe would have plenty of strength and he'd, he'd be a very clever player. Kerry semi-finals, um, Lee, two weeks, well, one exciting game, uh, Ken Mayer Dingle 17 to 113 um, Sean O'Shea scored 11 okay, I don't know what it is apparently his last free a good few of them were frees his last free was a really really difficult one and whatever you see Sean O'Shea run up 15 points 11 points he's consistently doing it I kind of always dismiss the frees as in ah most of them were frees but Sean O'Shea scores frees from the sideline from way out at distance do you know what I mean it's, it's like they're not they're not always regular frees that he scores so like I mean they set up a final against Austin Stacks who who hammered uh, Temple No 3-9 to 4. Austin Stacks a weird one have no real standout intercounty stars like Ken Mayer um, but it's a repeat of last year's final. Yeah um, on the on the Sean O'Shea thing like he is a special sort of player um, we were sort of we were picking our own like all-star sports Joe all-stars of the year and we opted for him ahead of like Potty Clifford who typically everyone was talking about like 
what a brilliant season he's had and stuff. But I mean, Sean O'Shea was the top scorer of uh, the county season this year entirely. Um, he, he's just so, so clinical. And like you say, the, the shots that he takes and the angles and like, you know, top nearly out in the sideline and stuff. I mean, like what, what a weapon to have in your arsenal and um, just knowing it, it just settles the whole team, knowing that every time you t- get fouled, um, there's actually a scoring opportunity at the end of this. And then it unnerves the opposition who are like, God, I can't even afford to foul this guy here. You know, there isn't even like a safe place yeah. um, because we're, it's going to like uh, result in us losing the score. So yeah, it's, it sets up a really interesting uh, final and it's g- good to see Sean bring his county form into the club. Yeah, and that Kenmare win was in Dingle as well, so it was an away game. And that was a, the Dingle, or Kenmare lost to Austin Stacks in last year's final. So, like, I mean, that's going to be an interesting final. Obviously, we know that this is just a club championship in Kerry. The county championship is coming afterwards, but if an area team win that out, it's the, rep, it's the winners of the club championship that will go through to the Munster Club. And often those area teams um, do win it. Patrick's well beaten the Pierce This is a big one in Limerick, uh, Niall. Um, probably a bit of a surprise, but when you look through the Napierschik team, they don't have that kind of danger of the Napierschik teams in the All Ireland final because of injuries. And you know, Dowling and the two cases are the obvious injury ones, and David Breen is gone. They just don't have that. I don't know. Do they have that fear factor there? Yeah, like when I seen this result this morning, Molly, I was kind of thinking, like, is this the end of the kind of Napierschik empire? Like, it's they've probably they've been going since I think it's 2013 when they first won an All Ireland club, but like they're kind of. They're still like I looked at the result from last year's county file. They won that by like twenty points, so you couldn't you couldn't write them off yet. But certainly, like a lot of them lads that sort of I suppose the backbone of their team, their brilliant team, the likes of David Breen, he's gone. These other lads kind of pushing on as well. Cahill King, he was their former captain. He's not there anymore. And certainly then when the two young guns in Michael and Peter Casey aren't there, like that's obviously going to be a huge loss for a team like that. And at the same time, like. Patrick's well they won their that county title well this team they won their first one in 2016 but these lads now the likes of Keane Lynch Aaron Gillan Dermot Burns like they're five years older now so they're probably I know I know it's kind of tit for tat between Napierschig and Patrick's well but the Patrick's well lads are really coming into their peak now and there's a few more younger lads like Jason Gillan we talked about last week as yeah. well coming on to sort of drive that team on too So it was the two O'Brien brothers and not the two Gillan brothers that did all the damage yeah, well, the Galans did a bit. In fairness, they scored eleven points, but it was Kevin and Thomas O'Brien who who did most of the damage. Like I remember coming across Kevin O'Brien, he was on the UL Fitzgibbon team back. That was maybe five or six years ago. But he was always a great man to score a goal and to pop up right. with a big goal. He scored goals in Fitzgibbon Cup finals as well. And like I don't think he's got too much of a run with Limerick. Like, and he's probably twenty nine or thirty now. But he's just been a key player for Patrick's. Well, he's he's a very fast kind of a corner forward and a great man to pop up with a goal when they need them so yeah. I suppose like for any team playing Patrick's well you think you've stopped them you've the two Galan stop but there's two O'Briens there as well Like, and I suppose to have two brothers in the forward line as well two sets of brothers there's a lot of you know telepathy going on there the boy, I always find I often play with my brother on our club team and it's nearly the easiest person to give a pass to. You just know where they're where they're going to go. Yeah, no, it definitely. I don't know what it is about Patrick's well. Like, I mean, they have a good team on paper. I saw them against Ballygunner in the Munster Club 
not last year, there was no Munster Club the year before. And I know Belly Gunner are excellent, mm. but Patrick's well were desperate that day. Like, and that, wa- that wasn't their first county title in a long time. 16 was. So you would have mm. thought in 2019, right, we won it in 16. Let's win it. If we win it again, let's actually give Munster a push. They were dreadful that day mm. altogether. So I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to judge them on that one game. I suppose sometimes teams, when they win the county title, they can maybe, as you were talking to the, the Don Lieboys <laughs> this morning, some people can get carried away with it. But now that they're back in another final, I'd say if they won that, they'd love to give Munster a push because especially players of the calibre of Keane Lynch, Aaron Gillan, Dermot Burns, like the three of them, you're not going to get three better players in the club team anywhere. Like, Yeah, no, that's true. Alan Connolly scored a goal yesterday that... We see a lot in soccer. So anyone that didn't watch BlackRock beat St. Finbars, you didn't meet, uh, beat St. Finbars, you didn't miss too much because it was a one-sided game. Alan Connolly, my man, um, big fan of Alan Connolly, scored, I think, 3-6 alone in the second half. But he scored a goal where you're running in, the goalkeeper's going to clear it, and he came in and blocked it down and went into the net. Now, you see a lot of this in soccer league where, like, you know, in whatever level of soccer where the goalkeeper, a lad rushes in and blocks it and it's, suddenly it's a goal. Well, you never see it really in Gaelic games. So it was a very unusual goal. Um, that he scored yeah it was it was definitely unusual um, the goalkeeper I don't know they just commit more in soccer or something um, in the way that they come out but yeah it, it was uh, an unusual one but like, I think he was just having one of them days that you know any football put in front of him and in any position he was going to find a way to put it in the back of the net yeah any hurling ball really uh, Niall yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> why bad that's, that's the Ulster in me <laughs> it is it is an unusual one like I don't think I've ever seen a goal scored like that where a lad just comes in and literally blocks the goalie down yeah. and it goes and into the net when you think about it there should really shouldn't there there should like, you see it in rugby where they, they charge down you know uh, whatever the, kick. the, the out half <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly we got there no rugby on this show but yeah like I suppose it should be coming in more now especially when like goalkeepers they're not just driving the ball out now they're taking their time they're trying to pick a pass to the corner backs they're trying to drill a puck yeah. out maybe to the half back line so there is an opportunity for any forward coming in there and like it was it was Alan Connolly like fair play to him he did his job yesterday he chased down it looked like a bit of a lost cause like the full back yeah. he kind of hung back well like he's not going to run into his goalie but he was probably banking on the goalie but Connolly was in like a hair and like he, he chased his last cause and he got his reward for it yeah no he definitely did there was loads of drama in the Kenny hurling championship Tommy Walsh scored a goal in extra time um, Tullerone beat Clara so they're in the semi-final like I mean this is crazy like I mean Tullerone came up from intermediate it took them years to get up out of intermediate. Now they should have been getting up, and then they did. And then last, then they drew with Ballyhale Shamrocks when they got up to senior. But they were in a relegation. They're in a relegation at, uh, semi-final last they year. Semi-final. Now they won the semi-final. Mm. Now I know it's Cutre. Now they find themselves in a senior semi-final. Yeah, like there, there is an argument <laughs> to say, Wooly, that um, like Kilkenny Club hurling is the strongest that you will find. Um, like, uh, there's only 12 teams in the senior championship and it's the same in the intermediate. And, like, a lot of people would say that between intermediate and senior, there is absolutely nothing between a lot yeah. of the teams. Like, you know, like... 12 is a, is a, is a very small number, really. Yeah, I suppose there's, there's less clubs in Kilkenny than there is in the likes of Galway and Tipperary. So, like, these clubs that are there... They're all there because they deserve to be there. And like Tullerone, like they're exa- that just shows that. There was there was two years they were beaten in semi-finals, they were beaten in finals in that intermediate grade. Yeah. And it was only the third year when they got over the line. And now like they're up in senior level. Sure, last year, their first game up, they drew at Ballyhale. So it shows like in Kilkenny Club Hurling, every club really is kind of like they're thereabouts if they can get a bit of momentum. And Tullerone so- certainly have a bit of momentum this year. Like the lads... 
that I suppose start that have been the backbone of their intermediate of their intermediate team. They they're really kicking on and pushing on in senior level. Like Park Walsh, apparently he was absolutely unbelievable yesterday. Like he starts centre forward, scores scores a few points, and then when Tullerone are like defending, trying to hold their lead, he's back centre back. Like like what a sign that is of a player that he can play anywhere. Yeah. Well, you'd know by him that he he'd be able to do that anyway. Yeah. Well, there's no secret he played centre forward for a long a long time, mm. and then. Tommy switched to the forwards and he switched back into the backs and then they won it yeah. kind of with that I think he got six from play I saw some of the highlights of that with, with Porrick Walsh um, yeah but we were mentioning the draw with Ballyhill it's very easy draw with Ballyhill in the first round yeah. but you get Ballyhill into the quarter final they spanked Bennett's Bridge we were talking about that last Thursday they, they really own Cody six from play or something yeah sure sure Bennett's Bridge beat Ballyhale in the in the group stage this yeah. year and Yesterday they only scored one point from play in the second half. Like I was actually listening to this game on the radio because I actually had Bennett's bridge backed. I was thinking this could be the day Ballyhale be beaten, but what a fool I was! Like Ballyhale, when it comes to knockout hurling, yeah, they just turn it on. Like and they were missing the two Mullins, um, Paddy Mullin and Adrian Mullin yesterday, but there was new lads in. There was a Joe Cudder. He scored four points from play. Like I know he's been on and off the team the last few years, but to step up and do that, like in the first half when they were struggling too, right, is um a great sign of player. There was a new lad in corner forward Liam Barron he got one or two points as well but just how watch, the hell did they do it they just always churning out these um, brilliant players and like Owen Cody he was he was exceptional yesterday like just watching the highlights the speed he just seems to have taken on not just his speed but his score and his shooting everything has gone up a notch like I'd say he He's come. He's going to be like. He's already obviously a class hurler, having won two young hurlers of the year. But like, he's really improving again. But just watching Bally Hale, will you like? They just seem to have this style where every player gives the simple kind of short pass. They're so clever on the ball. Like even the likes of T.J. Reid, there was so many times yesterday the simple score was on for him, but he'd look for the pass, whether it's a young lad outside. And Colin Fenley was the same. And that's just when them two boys are doing that, the young lads are going to do it too. And yeah. what you have is a brilliant team then. True. Colin Fenley, I'd say he'd be hungry then as well this year with the club um, after not being in with the county. The other two, James Stevens beat Dixborough. Owen Larkin came on, settled the ship down. Number 17, he's 38. Um, so you have Tommy Walsh, 38. Owen Larkin, 38. Still doing it for the clubs. Paddy Deegan, watch. We talked about him. Paddy Deegan, 1-1. One, one. Full yeah. forward. I hope Brian Cody was watching. Uh, Paddy Deegan, yeah, like um, it was a good win for... Oh, Lachlan Gales, like they're always as well. They're always there, thereabouts in Kilkenny Club Hurling. They haven't, they haven't won the title in a good few years now. But they had a good win over Mullinavat. But then again, they've Tullerone in the next round. Like Tullerone will probably be happy with that draw. Yeah, like when that's winnable for both, right? Winnable for both. It'll be, be there'll be two very good semi-finals. Like should we rem- remember the Ballyhale James Stevens one last yeah. year when Cheddar was out over the rafters in Nolan Park? <laughs> he was barely able to to look anymore. But um. Definitely, like it's like what a brilliant championship it is in Kilkenny. That was a semi final last year, too, wasn't it? It Poor was. Cheddar. It was. Nearly James, had a heart attack. James Stevens probably, they'll think they should have won that game. Like they were winning for large parts, but as Ballyhale do, they came back and came back with a vengeance when it, when it really mattered like so James Stevens second year in a row to get them now they'll, they'll be mad to win this one like yeah definitely will St Vincent's are out in Dublin Lee they were beaten by Castleknock they really are on the slide in fairness St Vincent's like I mean no team brilliant and all as they were can, st- can stay around forever we mentioned Mossy Quinn he's 40 and he's still playing now listen that's to be admired 
but at a club with like St. Vincent's, if you have a 40 year old still playing senior, now we know how good Mossy, Mossy is. It shouldn't really happen at the big clubs because even like I see it in Port Leash, the minute a fella starts getting older, give the young lad a chance. There's no real, whether that's the right attitude or not, who's better is the question. But it just does say a little bit for Vincent's what they have coming through. And maybe they're like my club, Port Leash, where they might have maybe a few years, you know, barren years before they start building up and, you know, have good underage teams again. Maybe they could be on that because usually when you see a 40-year-old uh, playing Dear McConnelly didn't play with them at all this year apparently he played one intermediate league um, and you know he's well capable of still playing senior they just look you know it's a little bit sad to see St. Vincent's you know because they were such a brilliant club um, brilliant champions Leinster champions All-Ireland champions to see them not even making the knockout stages now Yeah um, sad is the word to be honest uh, that whole Mossy Quinn thing but like, it's like you say he is an excellent player and he's so key for them but why is he so key for them? Because obviously there's nothing better coming through or someone who could at least push him, you know, uh, for that starting place. Um, like Massey Quinn, in, in, thinking in better teams or in other teams, he'd be coming off the bench this last 10 minutes and throwing him into full forward, you know, like Conor Gormley, except that's his actual position, of course. But they're still so dependent on him. And, and that you just have to point to the fact that, like, um, there's no conveyor belt of young players of, of the elk that they need. Um, to compete at that level. The Dermot Connolly ones, I mean, it's a bit sad as well, just, you know, because there's so much attention always based around him, so you're always keeping an eye out for him. That was kind of the fun of watching St. Vincent's was that you got to see Dermot Connolly play in a more free role um, than he maybe would have done at Dublin and be uh, a lot more involved. I don't know what his reasoning was. I mean, he was involved with Dublin, was it 2019? So, like, obviously he's, he's going to be well fit still to play club football at senior level. Um I don't know why he's not there. He's just he's such an enigma, but it's definitely a big miss. And yeah, I think transitional years is, is the word that they're going to have to use to mask uh, the near future anyway. Yeah, Connolly's a weird one. He never really recovered from that push on the suspension he got with the in the Carlo game that day because he missed all that championship. Came back then... Um, <coughs> came back for the semi-final but only got a minute at the very end and then played a bit of the final then was gone and then went to America and he's like ever since that push he was you know a few little controversial moments until that push but it just kind of that was the end of it then um, after that to the point where he's just showing up for his club for an intermediate game one league game this year I'd say the man's just sick of it he's just I'm, I'm done with that <laughs> I'm done with all that Yeah ever since that Carlo game it kind of did seem to sort of take its toll on him and it's been very stop start since then but like we're, we're living we got a house up in Dublin. We're right beside the St. Vincent pitch, like, and we'd be going out for a few pucks or a few kicks. And anytime you're there, you're kind of keeping the eyes peeled to see if you <laughs> get a spot at Dear McConnelly, like, and it just shows, I suppose, what an icon he is, like. But I wonder if he hurling with Vincent's. Did he hurl with Vincent? I'm not too, I'm not I'm too sure not about too that. Sure. I'm sorry to put you on the spot because <clears throat> he seems to be happy enough with the hurling. Maybe he's just fed up with the football. Yeah, yeah. Well, he seen, he, he he has the name made already. Anyway, um, I, I don't know. I don't think he's playing with the hurlers this year, will he? So. Yeah, it's disappointing for the club. Yeah, definitely. Defending champions out in Roscommon and in Kildare. So, Paulrick Pierces, who were the nearly men in Roscommon football for so long, they won it two years ago. Um, then they lost to Bridget's last year in the, fo- in the semi-final and now they've beaten St. Bridget's to get back into the final. So, there's loads of competition. Clonna Gale, who was Liam Kearns' club, they beat Roscommon Gales 8-6. Right, exciting one that one uh, by the looks of the of the the scoreboard. It's always a weird one in the in these counties. Like a tie are out in Kildare, a tie won it last year. 
Uh, they had a chance to draw it uh, last kick of the game. James Eaton had a free um, and it went wide. But three different winners in the Roscommon Championship um, in the last three years, Clonnagale, St. Bridget's, Pierce's and in Kildare, the same thing, Sarsfields, Moorfield, who have dropped back into the pack and a tie. And it seems like in these counties, Lee, and Tyrone is the perfect example of it and even Derry as well. When teams are very evenly matched, it's very hard to retain it. You know, that little ingredient of hunger is gone. And it's always the, the team that maybe has lost out the year or two previous that comes back up, gets the revenge. And here we go again. Yeah, that's it. And then I think um, instead of being the hunter, you become the hunted yeah. sort of thing. Um, you know, so like uh, whoever wins it, you know, that's the team now to beat. Like, so Tyrone this year, uh, the Gallon Clarks, they're actually the defending champions. But I mean, it was, people said it was a miracle last year, you know, the journey that they went on to get through and actually win it. It would be nearly twice the miracle for them to defend it, I think, um, with all the competition in and around them. And the fact that now people have them down to a T, you know, and they're going to be going up against them. They're not going to be underestimating them. That definitely won't be um, a factor. And it's the same in all these other counties as well. Um, the, the hunger is a thing for sure. You do get a bit of a hangover from winning a, a county title and you bring that in the next year. And I think I just a slight complacency and it's just like, this isn't everything to me because I've done it. You know, I mean, there can be that that element to it. But I mean, I much prefer it uh, than these counties that, you know, are the same club wins three in a row, four in a row and, and it gets a bit mundane. Yeah, no, that's it. And it's often the case where teams win three in a row, four in a row. They're a good bit better than the others. So even that slight drop off still is enough to get them over the line. Like Tipperary Hurling Championship, same thing. They're all, you know, able to beat each other. You win it. You slightly drop off. You know, you're not at that same pitch. Someone comes up, dethrones you. And, it, you know, it's like that every year now. Yeah, like it's kind of, Club GA is funny. Like it's probably, it's a bit about hunger. And a lot of it though, I think is about momentum too. Like, you know, like when, because club players, they're not like county players where like that the confidence, they're just going to have it like from all all these good games that they've played down, down through the years. I think confidence is a lot more brittle maybe in club players. And like when things start to go against them, when the momentum isn't with them anymore, things can just kind of start to go downhill a, a small bit. So that, I suppose, opens, opens it up a lot more in club GAA. Like obviously you have the, the sort of the super clubs, the likes of Ballyhale that keep winning every year. But... Um, in other counties, it, it, it is exciting when there's um, different winners every year, I yeah. suppose. No, it definitely is. So there's huge drama in Galway, um, <coughs> hurling championships. So Sarsfields are out. Um, they played Lockray and there was a last puck of the game penalty. And if Sarsfields had scored it, they went through. And if they didn't score it, Lockray went through. Am I right in saying this? And the goalkeeper, I have to give him a shout out, Garod Lochnan. Great famous hurling name, uh, surname anyways. He saved it, so Lockray go through, Sarsfields are out. Exactly, like if if Sarsfields had scored that penalty, it would have meant that Lockray and Sarsfields were on the exact same score difference and Sarsfields would only have went through on points scored. Right. They would have had something like five more points scored than Lockray. But, and they won that game by six points, so Sarsfields will feel, they'll feel slightly aggrieved to have won two games in the senior A and to still be going out with the group stages. Because as, as you said, Wooly, I spent, I think it was about an hour this morning trying to get my head around this Galway championship. And it's, it's sort of a confusing one, but there's, so there's, 20, there's 24 senior teams in Galway, 12 of them are senior A, 12 of them are senior B. And I suppose... So senior B is like nearly the intermediate grade or, you exa- know, well, it, it, see, years it's, ago. It's the same in Tipperary, like we've senior A and senior B. Are they equal teams? But senior B, you see, no, like they've been sort of 
relegated down to that, or they were at that, they were relegated down to that grade. Right. But in Tipperary, we've we've a separate senior B championship. In Galway, the senior B grade, the group stages, like there's twelve teams in both. It feeds into the one senior championship for knockout. Right. And you'd probably say it would be fair if. There was maybe nine. T- see, there's, there's twelve teams going through to the knockout stages. Six and four, six and three, or maybe nine and three. Say nine and three, but it's actually six and six. So, so the exact same amount of teams out of the lower division go into the go into the next phase, preliminary quarterfinals, exactly. as the teams in the A. Well, the the, so the seventh a- the seventh team in the A championship doesn't make the knockouts, but the sixth team in the, the second division makes the knockouts. That like, doesn't make much sense. It, it doesn't make much sense, but like the group winners from senior A, they go through straight to the quarterfinal. And in senior B, they go to the preliminary quarterfinal. But like, Sarsfields will be thinking like, we won two games in senior A. Pertumna and Porrick Pierce's won one game in senior B and they're going through to the right. preliminary quarterfinals. Like, so it's just... They, they will feel very aggrieved about that. How, new, how new is this championship? I, I, like it's been there, the Senior B, I think it's there the last two or three years now. And it's just, I suppose it's really only come to a head um, at, at this point yesterday. When you see um, a Sarsfield, so there could, they could change it because that doesn't seem right. Let's be fair. If you're winning two Senior A games versus a team winning one Senior B and they go through and you're sitting on your arse. No, like it, do, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem too fair in fairness. But um like, yeah, as you said, at Garod Lucknan, that was a brilliant save he made. And I just remember him because we played against him in schools games coming up along. He used to be out the field and he like, what a brilliant player he was. Like, he was brilliant player race, but he's back in goals. And just the drama, you could sense it from watching that highlights there in Duggan Park yesterday in Banlasloe. Like, to have your whole club's fate coming down to one puck, I'd say everyone between. There was kids behind the goals that were jumping up and down at the end of it. And but there's no way they would have known this. How We were barely able to get the calculations done here today, never mind live with that penalty. Like, they wouldn't have known what was riding on it, would well, they? Well, I've seen the, the Sarsfields that he was raging straight away and the Lock Ray lad, he was fist pumping, doing a big Ric Flair in front of the crowd. Like so, I'd say, they mu- they, do you know when there was a stoppage in play? The message must have Got maybe out. the kids were just they'd have probably went mad anyway, one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. So two more players. We gave uh, Mossy Quinn and we gave Owen Kelly a big shout out. Um, this week is definitely Brian Carroll. Um, talking about rolling back the years, three fifteen for Cool Derry. Our own Brian Carroll here on the show, like sensational stuff. And I, look, Cool Derry scored six twenty seven, and now I'm running down that. Still three fifteen. The man's thirty eight <coughs> years of age. Like, give me a break here. Like he, I remember Molly, he scored. Remember it was two sixteen. He scored against Bally Hay, or Bally Bowden in that Leinster oh, yeah. Cup semi final lecture. That was. That was that was a close game. That game went all the way extra to extra time. time, in time that, like, yeah. So yeah. you know, it just shows um, Brian Carroll. He he still has it and. As we were saying, Tommy Walsh earlier, they were in the same year in school in St. Kieran's College. He's still going. There's Owen Larkin coming on for James Stevens. Maybe you'll be making your comeback for Port Leash while you get on the phone to the manager. They're sprightly 38-year-olds. Like, I'm up in the 40, 43. I'm in the 40 category. My next mention is definitely in the 40 category. He's 46, Brendan Cummins, playing intermediate for his club. Um, intermediate relegation match for Bally Bacon. 
I'd never heard Ballybacon Grange. Ballybacon Grange, that's the one. Jesus, is that always his club, yeah? Yeah. Never heard of that before, Ballybacon Grange. He scored 10 points, saved three penalties in a penalty shootout, then went down, consoled the other goalkeeper who had obviously let in more goals than him to show what a great, you know, sportsman he is. Um, like, I mean, Jesus, it doesn't, get, it doesn't get more dramatic than that. I think he scored a point from play. That's unconfirmed, but I yeah. think he did. Yeah, that, that man certainly, he owes his club nothing, does he? What he like at 46 years of age to be still in, in between the sticks? And like it was, um, it was an intermediate relegation semi final. And can, as we know, like all them relegation semi finals, they're just tense and there's so much nerves, like because yeah. the future of the club is at stake, really. And Are the intermediate club or is that their second team? No, they're an intermediate club. Yeah. So that's their first team. Mm. Right. I think like Brendan Cummins, like he played football clip as well. Like it is, it's kind of. It's maybe not a completely hurling area. I'd say it's a mix between the hurling and the football yeah. um, down there. But yeah, yeah. Like it was brilliant. He was a great footballer. I remember he used to give me lifts. We both made the Compromise Rules trials back in 1998. I hate talking about this. And he used to pick me up in Port Leash because I was too young. I wasn't driving. I always liked Brendan Cummins. He's fantastic. So this is, their, get your head around this, Lee. He's 46. This is his club's first team now. It's not going down through the grades. Look, go on. We'll play you with the second team, third team. This is, their first, this is the team they're training all year for. This is a relegation semi-final so it's a huge game he scores 10 points one from play as a goalie and saves three penalties in the penalty shootout and of course relegation semi-finals always make me funny you celebrate not making the final which is a kind of a unique uh, unique thing um, I mean wow <laughs> it's kind of giving me hope because maybe uh, maybe I'm going to peak in my 30s or my 40s and, uh, and I will actually become a good footballer uh, all my, my 20s is actually my development years so that's that's what I'm going to be telling people for now on because that's just outrageous, you know, to get any sort of performance like that in the way. I'm beginning to wonder too, is it because of this new under-17 rule where isn't it 17 year olds they can't play senior football anymore um, when they used to be able to? So maybe we've sort of lost like a whole uh, generation of players or you have to hold them back for like an extra year. Um, and especially for, I know you're a big enough club, but like in the smaller clubs and then become too reliant on the older fellas who are still allowed to play. I'm just wondering if that's still a factor. Maybe it is. I saw Donegal Club, Martin Shovelin's club, complaining about this. Um, Shovelin obviously played when he was 60. Now, they had they did, couldn't feel the team, so they were pulling in 50-year-olds, 40-year-olds, just because they'd been fined if they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, feel the team. But they were making the wider point in that if they could play the 17-year-olds in the club, they might not have had to use these 60-year-olds, you know, or, or whatever. I do agree that for a rural club, a 17-year-old is well good enough to be playing senior for his club. And it probably is, Niall. What's your take? I, th I think for a, for a rural club, it's very unfair when they're struggling for numbers. They could have three good 17-year-olds that are sitting on their arses doing nothing. Now, they'll obviously have them the following year, but it, 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 it does penalise them. I think a 17-year-old is good enough, big enough, if it's a good size of a fella. Yeah, like I need no look for look look no further than my own club because um <laughs> we had a fella on the county minors this year and he's a big strong fella. He's stronger than the majority of us lads who are on the senior team. Like and we nearly spent the whole year waiting. We'd be like, geez, well, Dara can play. He can play next year. Like, but you'd love to have a lad like that, and especially when it's a rural club. Like these sort of lads who are on county minor teams, they don't come around like too often. So when you have them, like you really want them to be on your, your senior team. And like the 17 year olds nowadays, a lot of them are in the gym. Like they're well able, they're well able to play senior, yeah. senior hurling or football. And 
you, you would wonder why why that rule is in like and, and, as, and as well as that like why the minor grade went from under 18 to 17 but should the GA kind of make these decisions anyway don't they? Yeah exactly that's a, that's a wider point we'll leave it there we'll be back and we'll talk about some other talking points from the weekend So the Football All-Stars were nominated on Friday. We missed these. We had the hurling ones um, on Thursday for Thursday's show. So, like, I mean, nothing really to be given out or complaining about here. Tyrone had 15 uh, nominations, Lee, which I suppose, you know, we were talking about Limerick having 15. Um, you know, Colin McShane got an All-Star nomination. Um, what I thought was interesting, that seven defenders nominated. And I was like, how the hell to have seven defenders nominated? Both um, Connor Myler and... Um, and Kieran McGeary got nominated in the backs. They're two wing forwards. Like I mean, Connor Myler played uh, centre back on 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 Paddy Clifford, which was fine. But he played wing forward in every other game. He was marking the wing back on the other team, and you know he was doing a similar man marking job. And McGeary played wing forward. He just did a lot of work back. Um, you know, I thought it was a, a weird one. Why 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 they were picked as uh, wing back nominations? Yeah, the positions in the All-Stars is always a little bit strange like that, to be fair. Um, Kieran McGeary did play that game at six, but I mean, by, if you're talking about why did he get this nom- nomination, is because of his performances in the half-forward line. You know, from the very beginning, like he, he, he took everyone's attention when Tyrone beat Donegal. Um, he was just excellent that game, man of the match performance. And then he just built momentum from there. And it was as a, a half-forward and an attacking half-forward at that. Uh, the Conor Mailer one's even stranger still because like, you know, it wasn't played anywhere else really. I mean, half forward was his position. I think everyone expected that. It was one of the, um, like, Duhar and Fergal, they could be a little bit, you know, unpredictable sometimes. And But, like, Connor Mailer starting in half forward, that, that was just a sure thing. Everyone knew that, that that was going to be the case. So I have no idea why they've nominated him um, in the back line um, or who it was there, maybe trying to shoehorn in elsewhere, you know, to make it happen. But it, it is definitely a strange one. See, because they don't have to shoehorn anybody else really in. These are just nominations. They could easily, like the, the half-hard line, will, you know, whenever that's picked, they might shoehorn people in. But you don't generally shoehorn nominations in. There are two nominations for Player of the Year, Niall. I'm going to start complaining about this. There are two nominations for Player of the Year and they're not even nominated in their positions. Like, I mean, just because they wear a number... I'm, McGeary play. Well, McGeary wears. Does he wear? No, Peter. Peter um, Hart wears seven. But like, I mean, Myler wears ten. He plays wing forward. I'm not sure what McGeary wears. Number six. Does he, um, Lee? Yeah, he wore six in the semi final, and now I'm trying to remember in the final which Pe- one he actually wore. I know the the game is so fluid um, now that it's hard to pick up. But when you're at the game, you can clearly see, you know, what positions they're playing. Yeah, like I remember a few years ago, Wally, you used to kind of beat the drum for a player should be definitely they should be getting the all-star for that position and they should be competing against the peep the people yeah. that are of the same position. And like it used to be a case where if a lad was a corner forward, you'd be giving out about him being maybe getting a full forward or a wing forward getting a corner forward. But now when you've uh, a wing forward getting nominated as a defender, like should that just like it's kind of throws the whole thing wide open? I think so. I think when you're player of the year. You should have an understanding of where these lads are bloody playing. I, that's what I, the problem I would have with it. I do agree with you, and I was always on the, I was always on the the side that every player plays his position and goes head to head with the player in that position. Whoever had the best year wins the All Star. The the ladies' football have brought this to new mm. levels this year because Vicky Wall wears number thirteen. 
And they do it that head to head, which I would applaud them for. But they've taken it to stupid levels in that Vicky Wall wears 13, but plays at centre forward or in midfield. And they've nominated her at number 13. Who else is nominated number 13? Amy Mack. <laughs> Amy Mackett. So Amy Mackett is going head to head with Vicky Wall for the number 13 jersey, even though Vicky Wall did not play as an orthodox corner forward. You know what I mean? They're right. And then they go get it arse with. Yeah, like you can't take it. You can't take it too far, like in, in that sense. But like, it's like in, when it's between the four, like a wing forward and a corner forward, you wouldn't. Like I, I certainly wouldn't. I don't know about you, Ollie, now, but I wouldn't mind about a lad kind of if they're kind of in and around that four lane. It is very fluid nowadays. You wouldn't mind if it was maybe a corner forward missing for a wing forward, but just the fact of a, a defender coming for a wing forward, I think, is a bit. It's a bit all over the shop. Yeah, although wing forwards and wing backs in Gaelic football probably are interchangeable an awful lot of the time. I just, I just don't know why they couldn't have got it right. Another problem I have is, Ali, we're talking in the hurling an awful lot that there's no standout young player of the year. Um, maybe it's because they're knockout championships and there's not as many games. You don't see some of the lesser teams. We have a situation where um, Derek Hanavan, uh, Matthew Tierney, um, are nominated now like I mean Matthew Tierney played two games you know Derek Hanavan didn't start any game did he start a game I'm pretty sure he didn't he came on in the semi-final and the final like they used to be obvious young player of the years Oshie Mullen obviously is the other one and he'll probably he'll probably win it it's just like I mean I don't know why are we not seeing obvious candidates for young player of the year because Derek Hanavan's not one as far as I'm concerned and I don't think Matthew Tierney necessarily is he played very well against Roscommon that day in the rain um, but that was about it Yeah no it's definitely strange um, Dermot Gray uh, we had, everyone had a lot of high hopes for him and he was definitely going to be a big part of uh, Jerome's plans this season but it was just very unfortunate with injuries they actually thought that he wasn't going to make it back at all but then because of uh COVID issues and whatever else, um, he managed to make the semi-final and then the final. Yeah, as well. Derek Hanavan. Derek yeah. Hanavan, you mean? Yeah, and he like that's another thing. He yeah. missed most of the year with injured. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think he featured in Ulster, and unless it was the first game against Cabin where he ex- he picked up that injury, but I'm not too sure. He definitely. Uh, yeah, it no, it was the, the, it was the season the, really, really late. It was not the league. I think it was the league game down against Kerry. It was maybe the league, yeah. Yeah, so then he, go, he didn't even play in the in the province there for Ulster and that championship. It was just the semi-final and the final. The only thing that you back him for, like if you had to defend it, was just like his quality when he was on. Obviously, I mean, he really he stood out on the pitch. He was a clear uh, threat and, and then he created some very uh, important uh, attacks that led to huge scores and stuff. But I mean... Yeah, it's like you said, I mean, it, there should be a whole plethora of, of young footballers that you had to choose from and it should be a difficult choice. But the fact of the matter is, Ashley Mullen is the only one. I think he won it last year as well, but he um, is the only real standout candidate. And the fact that, you know, he played the right amount of football and he played really well. And he's been um, a key part of Mayo's team. Like, I mean, we can't really say Dar was a key part of this Jerome team in terms of starting and, and the, whole, the season as a whole. Uh, and then, like you say about uh, Matthew Tierney, like in Galway, they, 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 there was only two games, and it's a similar sort of situation. It's just it's not enough quantity, you know, to for them to see the quality that, that they have. So it's it's Ashley Mullen for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Now it's nothing against Derek Hanavan. If he if he hadn't been injured and made those kind of cameos right throughout the championship, you would probably say yes. But just two games, uh, maybe getting you know a small bit of game time and then get nominated. It's it's definitely a strange one. Jack O'Connor's press conference um, as the Kerry manager was I think it was last Friday, um, and he tried to explain his. I feel like we've talked about Jack O'Connor an awful lot on the show. He tried to explain his Kildare um, exit. He says there's been a, mi- a bit of a mis- misconception there. 
the thing that I left Kildare was because or because I was asked to manage Kerry or that it was a done deal is absolute and total nonsense. The situation Kildare was more or less my mind was made up when we were beaten in the Leinster final. In fact, I was quite emotional in the dressing room afterwards because I had a fair idea that it was my last time meeting that bunch of players or addressing them. Had a great time in Kildare, couldn't have been more welcoming, but I was finding the almost nine hour round journey was taking a huge toll. Um, even people close to me would have said that I'd lost a lot of weight around that time and I, that I can't afford to lose. Um, I suppose we'd take him at his word here, Niall. Like, I mean, you know, it's hard to know. He said all his backroom team had, had stepped down. He'd said that he was emotional in the dressing room, speaking <coughs> to the players uh, there. He, a lot his selectors, coaches, strength and conditioning had all kind of gone. He said he had no management team. I suppose if you're take, to take him at his word, he was happy to leave Kildare anyways. And it was Kildare had released a statement saying that he was in negotiations for the following year and he explained that they had their own reasons for doing that that I won't go into. So who knows? Yeah, well, um, a lot of people say that one excuse is better than many excuses. I think Jack has maybe come out with a few excuses, whether it's the management team, the nine-hour trip, and I, like, I, I'd be prepared to take him at his word, but I know there's a few Kildare people who um, I've seen them kind of sticking into him a bit over it. They don't seem too happy with the the way in which he's left Kildare. But um yeah, I, I I think we'll have to take him at his word anyway. It's it's hard to it's hard to know, Lee really. Geez, a nine and a half hour journey, like and we're talking about Paddy Talley who is even a, a bigger one. Paddy Talley's on a career break actually. That's how he's able to do that. Um I think he's uh, on a year off teaching or something like that. But you know, if if all his that if his backroom team hadn't all stepped away, that could easily be found out. Um, you know, it could be easily found out on the lie that, you know, his speech after the Dublin match, you know, sounded like that was the end. He could easily be caught out on, t- you know, different things. I think if you're in first, like the Kildare statement saying he was in negotiations, you tend to believe the first thing, you know, that you heard rather than, you know, what Jack's version of it coming out three weeks later. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, I don't know why I just have it in my head that he, he definitely knew something you know, that the rest of us didn't know in terms of, of the, the carry job because it all worked out so perfectly for him, really. Um, but, like, weirdly perfectly. I mean, I think, like, I'm painting him out like he's some evil genius, you know, orchestrating everything here. But, like, I, I just think he got whispers. And I'm not saying he went on the podcast, to deliber- that, that Examiner podcast, you know, to deliberately talk down Kildare and build himself up for a job. But he knew that, like, after that semi-final loss that Peter King, I think he knew that maybe he wasn't going to get kept on. I think he saw an opportunity. And yeah, I mean, if he was being really honest with it, I mean, like a nine-hour journey, I'm not saying that, like, that's 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 really difficult. I'm sure that'd be an awful pain. But uh, he, I don't know, when you come out and you say that you, you, you were willing to commit and then obviously the background team dropping down, that's a big thing, I suppose. But I don't know. I, this will always follow him. I'm not too sure we'll actually ever figure out the truth. Yeah. This it, uh, listen, I'm just taking, he hasn't won the two of E over by the sounds of things. Maybe I'm just take, maybe I'm just sick of that story. Maybe we won't talk about Jack O'Connor um, here again on the show for a little while. Andy McEntee, we talked about this on Thursday. Um, so he was voted down 8-7 by the county executive. Now, apparently he wants to stay on. Um, so he's going to let the vote go to the club, but this is all getting this is all getting messy, um, and it's not ideal in any county. And Anthony Miles was making some good points on Twitter. Um, he was saying 
People on the executive who voted against ratifying the incumbent setup. Firstly, if they had issues, why wait until October, nearly three months since the team was knocked out of the championship? And second, what exactly are the issues and why did those individuals vote against him? They're two very good points that we didn't really mention, Niall, on Thursday. What are your issues and why did you wait this long? You know, because Anthony continues on. Thirdly, have they already made team in place to begin? Because at best it would be until the middle to end of November before anyone could begin. You know, and a lot of counties would be back already. So it doesn't make any sense. You're voting him out. You've wasted three months. Who's the management team? We're going to start now. You know, that makes sense as well. And he says, if the management team um, win the club vote... Um, what do these people on the executive do? Do they quit their post? Because you'd imagine relationships would be massively strained. So if the clubs vote in Andy McEntee, now the executive can overrule the clubs. But what kind of a mess is that then? You know what I mean? It's, it really is a weird one. You know, it, when they're coming off a decent year, the only thing I can think of is that it's after getting very, very messy after the dispute between Bernard Flynn and his management team, Graham Garrity, Graham Riley, all these great, brilliant, fantastic management team. They walked away because McEntee wouldn't release two under 20s after agreeing. This is the, the under 20s version of the events. It's, it must be related to that because it just looks very, very messy to be voted down at this late stage. Yeah, like I remember when that um, under 20 management team was appointed initially, like it was such a high profile team, like it was nearly a dream team of, um, of managers for the Meath under 20s. And like when that, when that kind of went to pot, it was obviously a big kind of a, a loss for me. Then since then, and with this kind of controversy coming up about Andy, Andy McEntee, it's just been kind of one step forward, two steps back for me. And, um, like I know they won the, they won the Leinster minor championship this year. And it's sort of disappointing for these kind of things to be seeping into the underage structure. But, um, yeah, the Andy McEntee one, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a strange one. Like Anthony Miles definitely made made a good few points there. I think he could be a he could be a part of the he could should be a part of the kind of decision making process himself. Like because like the the Meath County Board they definitely would want to have something in place if they're planning on getting rid of Anthony Andy McIntyre because it's very late to be kind of giving your manager the road if you don't have someone to replace him and take the reins. Very late. Wait until, wait until October. Like, I mean, and that's the, that's the big point of, of this. I thought Andy McEntee would step away after, after being voted down, but he's obviously not. So this is rumbling on now, Lee, and it's not an ideal situation because by the time the clubs vote, then it comes back to the executive. How can Andy McEntee work with them? They're people he's working directly with. They don't, the majority don't want them, even though it's a, it's a, it's a pretty uh, close vote. But at the same time, it, from the county board perspective, what are you doing here, lads? Why was this not done two yeah. weeks? Why was this meeting not held? Or why, why, why was Andy not given feedback on what the issues were an awful lot earlier than this? Yeah, um, I'm listening very carefully, carefully to lots of GA podcasts and see some manager comes out and says that uh, they're interested in the job now and they'll get ahead of them because maybe, maybe they know something they don't. I'll just pull a Jack O'Connor in that sense. <laughs> but in terms of... Um, the, uh, leaving it so late is so strange because they've obviously the season's ended, and I assume Andy McIntyre is, is started making plans for the next season. You know, after three months, like that's loads of time to start like thinking about the next year. You know, and, and clubs and games and players and and whatever else, and and putting his plans in place. So they just sort of like to me, you know, this curveball just coming in out of nowhere this late on. Uh, it just upsets the whole thing. And like fair play to him, you know, he's not because I just think if it was me and I knew I didn't have the backing. 
then you know you're just sort of like a dead man walking in that role because any little mistake you know everything's going to be amplified and under the microscope as it were so i just think fair play him because he obviously thought no i'm going to i'm going to stick it to you i'm going to stay for this job regardless of what you think and hopefully you know get the back and elsewhere but um he's it's twice the challenge for him now and unless they do have someone lined up or someone someone somewhere like you say maybe to do with the Bernard Flynn uh situation uh is, is definitely unhappy with him because it doesn't make any sense. And usually when it doesn't make sense, it's because, you know, there's been a bust up or a, an argument uh, behind the scenes and, and it's all came to the head. Yeah. I might get, I might get Bernard Flynn on the show Thursday and he'll go, yeah, it's a very attractive job now that senior, that senior job. <laughs> and he can, uh, he can float it out. The under 20 uh, management team come up and take the senior team. Then maybe that's what's going to happen. Billy Sheen is the new leash manager. It looks like, um, this will be a popular choice, at least from anybody I've spoken to. Like, I mean, it's another Kerry man, which is just beyond belief. The amount of Kerry men we've had. John Sucru, Mike Quirk, Tommaso Flatterta, Liam Kearns, Mick O'Dwyer. We're all chasing that Mick O'Dwyer uh, high that we got the first year he took us over in 2003. Um, Billy, of course, isn't... He's a Kerry man, obviously, born and bred, but Billy's played for so many clubs. Like, I mean, that's... Kerry man's been watered down and he played for Leash. He would be... Look, it's it's a bit like John Sucru. John Sucru is a Kerry man who living in, in Leash and would have known the club scene Billy would know the club scene really well in leash would know a lot of the players I think it's a great appointment he has Chris Conway in with him as well who um, managed at schools level and got fa- some fantastic results won a senior A or an under 16A schools with Knockbeg um a good few years ago so he'd be very well respected and liked he's in as a coach selector that was just kind of breaking this morning so pretty happy with the appointment we're not the most attractive county to manage let's be honest I, th- I was saying on the show when John Sucru got it that's six years ago you know when the players were obviously six years younger we have players like Munley now who's you know 38 he's still on the go Colin Begley's 35 John O'Loughlin is 32 33 Mark Timmons is 35 we're a division 3 team they're our best players still you know Donny Kingston's up into his into his 30s now so like I mean we don't have much coming through so I think Billy's energy, his passion, he's obsessive. He left the whole summer off as a teacher and he won't leave any stone unturned. I'm very happy with the decision. He has a, a graw for leash. The Mike Quirk one was the weirdest one where you're an unproven carry man commuting up to leash. That didn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a very good appointment. Um, I think leash player, let, let's be honest, we didn't have our pick of managers, um, you know, and Billy. I'm not running down Billy's appointment in any way by saying that he's got he's got intercounty experience. He's managed club teams. He's coached at college levels. He has been in with, with in a senior intercounty setup in Cork and in Offaly. So he's got plenty of experience. I think it's the best appointment um, we could have we could have hoped for. Niall. yeah, like Leash um, they I hate to say it to you, Willie, but they have been they have been kind of struggling the last few years and yeah. just yeah you, you, when they're going out in games you nearly expect them to be losing. But um I think the the Kerry lads they, they they seem to see something in leash, so maybe maybe Billy Sheehan is the man to bring it forward. Yeah. I would say a lot of them see dollar signs maybe in leash. <laughs> but I would Billy that's not that's definitely not a not a a, a accusation towards Billy. Or to be honest, any of them. Let's let's be honest. Maybe they're getting their mileage. It's a long way to carry, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know what mileage that some of them might negotiate. But that's the thing. The, the like, I mean, Leash are in Division Three. Not a huge amount um, coming through. As I said, one way I was critical of Mike Quirk was on the show here is that. He's playing teams like Down, and after the Down match, he's complaining that we don't have much pace in the team. 
and he's still playing that kind of 12 men behind the ball running game. If you don't have pace, mate, don't play that game. Downplay that way because they have plenty of pace. Use what you have to your advantage. Don't follow the leader. Don't copy what everyone else is doing. What we have is that we have big, big physical forwards. Donny, Donny Kingston. We've um, uh, Evan O'Carroll. We have Gary Walsh. You could put John O'Loughlin into the forwards. And I'm saying these things as in... Where's your starting point there? Why don't you do something different? Why don't you launch a few in there? You know, get a few balls in there, Lee, and play differently to everybody else and be like a physical, like hard team to play against, get stuck into lads, be known as a long ball team and and own it and go, Jesus, I don't like playing leash. You might have to drop one or two lads back because they like pumping in to drop two or three lads back. Run it then because you've way more men out the field. You know, I, I just, I think too many... Too many teams are copying each other, basically, is my wider point, Lee. Yeah. Um, so you want Leach to be like the Stoke City? Of, Wimbledon uh, 89, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Wimbledon 89. Yeah. yeah, but why not, though? Like, why not become a team that's just so horrible to play against them when you know that you're going up um, against them that you're going to be dragged to the trenches and deal with long balls all night and, and really have to, like you're just going to have to dig in to get your win and they're going to really nullify the way that you want to play football instead of just going up against the team that plays the same type of football as you do in a worse way to a, a lower standard yeah you know I mean because then I mean that just you're literally going tit for tat you go I go and then the better person's always going to come through but tactically if they set up like you say like a, more of a kicking game launching a few on it and just owning that and building the whole thing around it then it, you know it definitely is an option Um, what what do you think is success then for Billy this season in terms of leash? Well, I suppose it depends what structure comes in. You know, he'd want to be up in the top uh, three or four in Division Three. Um, it depends, I suppose, what structure. If you're in, if you're if you're playing the Plan B structure, which we hope we're all in, you know, you'd want to hope that you could be in the mix to get that first place in Division Three. If not you're looking at winning the Talton Cup. So it's a fantastic potential year because Leash could easily win the Talton Cup and we could all celebrate it and it wouldn't be a fantastic season to come off the back of seven championship games, you know, maybe win four of them home and away <coughs> and then go into the Talton Cup after a positive enough uh, Division 3 campaign and get into a final or win that and you're in Croke Park and just give Leash supporters something um, to shout about. I suppose it is it is that Leash. Otherwise, you're, what's your, what, what are you hoping for? To win it? You don't know what the Leinster draw is. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I think the expectations in Leash are dropping and dropping uh, more and more every year. But anyways, I think Billy will do an excellent job and Chris um, as well, which has to be pointed out. Last uh, story of the weekend, lads, is this fight in the Wicklow match. I presume you've seen this um, footage doing the rounds. Ah, it's, it's hard to look at now, to be honest. And it's an under 15 game. And like, I mean, I wouldn't always, you know, see the fight because the, the fight wasn't, there wasn't much going on in the fight. I'm talking about doing it in front of 15 and 14 year old children. That's the disturbing part of it. Like these are adults. And I don't know. I, I, like, I mean, it was an under 15 uh, final between Carnew and Kilcool. Um, it was played in the GA in the Wicklow GA Centre of of Excellence, and you know adults fighting. Like I mean, again, I, I always say that when you see incidents like this, and it's like a big GA problem, and it there's no doubt that's a problem. But when you see the hundreds of games going on, it's such a small, small, small problem. I I, I would say I remember an under fourteen game, um, playing with Port Leash against Stradbally. And we got uh, all players just looked around and we looked over the sideline. Here's two men rolling on the, around the ground, kind of fighting each other. And like, these are very respectful men, respectable men in both communities. And they just obviously lost their minds 
for a for a second and I don't know like I mean I remember in a senior challenge match down in Wexford looking over to sideline my father was a selector getting in an altercation with one of our one of our own selectors these things do happen where things boil over and like my father wouldn't be he wouldn't be like me he wouldn't be he wouldn't get involved in that kind of stuff he'd be a quiet man you know so like I mean these things do happen with people out of character now, there was two or three people in this video and I was probably running at the one lad. It didn't look good and it's in front of children as well. I'm not condoning it. I'm saying often these things can happen even with people that you would never expect it. Yeah, like, um, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Willie, but a lot, like, when you mentioned the under-14 match there, I find that a lot of these rows in GA games are actually at underage games. And I'd say the reason is because when parents have their children involved, they just become completely unreasonable, like. Uh, but overprotective. So I was looking, say if, I, say if my son, he's only four, hmm. um, he's going on five, but if he was playing an under-9s match, which wouldn't be too far, and he got hit hard... I'd be making sure the referee knows, you know, that maybe that overprotective mm. kind of parent side it comes is. out in it as well. Yeah, and a lot of time, a lot of times that can, I suppose, cause it to boil over, like as we see in Wicklow um, at the weekend. But I think, yeah, the the toughest thing about, to watch about that video was definitely just you see, you're kind of watching it. It's kind of it's not too stable the camera work, but you see the the odd kid they're just walking through kind of the That's middle the of this part big of it, yeah. melee, and they're looking at parents round and. Like there was a there was a parent running up to a, a selector saying you hit my son and it was just it was very kind of it was it was tough to watch now and and nearly was the, there a the, case that an adult came in and hit one of the children? Well, I just that I, that was just one of the uh, you could hear that being right. said to a I don't know if it was a mentor or whatever, but. Um, it is very the the toughest thing to watch about the video. I think was the person videoing it said. Um, like would someone they said would someone stop and call the cops and she's there videoing the the whole thing on her phone herself like if it wasn't so important to video she could have called the cops the guards herself like but yeah. um, no no it is it is you don't like to see these things but I think it is a thing of sometimes it is just an overprotective parent and they get involved with another parent and it, it, like these things they start out of something small. And then before you know it, everyone's involved. Like, yeah, yeah. Disturbingly, there's no point in saying anything else. Like, I mean, there's not much else we can say about this. And I, again, I'm not condoning it in any way. Of just saying a few isolated incidents kind of happened with people you'd never expected. Again, in the underage games, like if it was a situation where an adult came in and put his hands on a, a 15 year old, 14 year old uh, child, like I mean, that's just completely despicable behavior you would hope that didn't that didn't happen and it was just between two between adults on on either side yeah i mean that, that's well that's it's assault you know otherwise like i mean it, it goes much further than the gaa in that situation but um yeah there's nothing really more you can say i mean because it is uh video recorded and you know hopefully some of them people can be identified and they can be suspended because like who knows what impact that'll have on them kids and like they may not want to go and play for their club again or they won't, why would they go to the next match you know to hear that sort of abuse and see what it could actually lead to or even worse still uh, it normalizes it for them and they think oh that's what you do yeah at GAA games yeah. you know you become involved in that you start fights and uh, that's what I need to do then because I want to be like dad or whatever else um so yeah I mean it's not it's a disgrace like there's nothing short of it um and in front of the children like it's it, I do think now he's hit the nail in the head when he says that it overprotective parents is definitely the issue there and anyone who's coached kids or in, in any sport and um, the, the parents definitely can become uh, far too involved. You know, they, they feel like everything 
that happens on the pitch, every blow, every tackle and whatever else. And then they, they, they behave, I'm sure, in ways that they would normally behave or you'd like to think. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not an epidemic. You know what I mean? It's not like it's all the time or it happens constantly. But I just think when it when it does happen and you have the footage, let's, you know, make a statement then and say he suspended, she suspended, he suspended. This is why for these reasons. And, you know, I make that public as well and, and say that, you know, that, something's actually being done and hopefully that'll uh, discourage it happening again. Yeah, you often hear these stories coming out of Wicklow, uh, to be fair, you do. And that's a good point um, that Lee made in that there's always clubs in every county that you just know. They like they like fighting. They like, if you're beating them by five or six points, you nearly you need to have your, your wits about you because mm. they'll get one or two sent off, you know, and they probably grew up seeing fathers getting sent off when they're losing. They don't know any better. And you know, teams that like to fight and are coming in off sideline, teaching the children that it's, that's what you do if a decision goes against you. Like, it's just, it, that's probably the saddest thing of the whole thing. And those, those kids playing the games, they will grow up thinking that if a, if a referee and decision goes against them, well, F this, I'm getting sent off because that's the reaction I've always seen or I'm starting a fight. And I mean, that's the saddest thing of it. And it's a culture within clubs mm. because you know the clubs in your county where that culture exists. And it's, it's like one generation just passes that shit onto the next. And then when you're going up to play that club in a game, you're kind of bringing your A game. You're like, right, well, we're going to meet fire with fire here. Like just because you're, you know you're going to be hit hard. So you're ready to kind of give it back when it's given to you like so it kind of just a bit of a chain reaction and it all kind of kicks off then but like yeah as you said it is a bit of a problem in Wicklow and that you'll always remember that famous story of the referee being locked in the boot of his car like and I think there has been like you'd you'd often see videos and more often than not uh, more often than other counties I'd say there is kind of there seems to be that culture in, in Wicklow for one reason or another. Yeah, I think that car, that uh, that uh, that was Cartage Buckley. That was the referee in 1986. Cartage um, Buckley sent off two Leash players. Um, Leash were tipped to win Leinster that year. They'd already won the national league, and they went down. That's where the Battle of Ockram came out of. I don't think he was locked in the car, and that was a that was like an urban myth. He but okay. he was under a lot of pressure. Let's just say coming off the coming off that field. But I don't think the locking in the car in the boot of the car ever happened. Anyways, listen, lads, we've gone over time. We'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. We we'll look ahead to all the weekend's club action as usual. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I might be asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. You ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffer you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>